1: Hey gang, Kevin Goatee here, Gutting the Sacred Cow. How are you? Episode 42 is here. Wow, 42 and Alice Vaughn is our guest and she has chosen to take down Interstellar. What makes this episode so special? Alice used to be a nuclear, no, a regular physicist. Pretty special nonetheless, but we had no idea she was. And she took this film apart in a surgical-like fashion. Wow, get ready to get schooled. Before we get to it, few things. One, hey, we love you guys. You know that. We're going to invite you to write some of our jingles. How about some new Amazon five-star and one-star intro songs and the uh, critics five-star and one-star songs. We love it. Oh, and five fun facts. Don't forget that one too. So send your submissions to guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Go to guttingthesacredcow.com. Take a photo with some of our merch. A shirt, a tank top, We've had some of our, some of our biggest fans, super fan Katie Cohen, rocking out a tank top. We've got my buddy John Sestero rocking out a, a, a mug, and I want to thank all of our super fans out there, Nick Carnaval. But thanks to all of our super fans out there, we'll shout a few of you guys out. Every single week. Thanks again, Dave Hodge. I know you love the show. You're awesome. Thank you so much for all that. Guttingthesacredcow.com. And again, if you have not yet done so, please, 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 five star rating, two sentence review. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the episode with Alice Vaughn taking down Interstellar. Love you.
2: Get around.
1: Viacondios Dios, Castle. God's going to sit this one out. Kevin Israel, name that film. That's Punisher. It was just on five minutes ago as I ate dinner. Yes, sir, it was. <laughs> I said, here's one and he, I think you might be able to get, but we'll see. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, back gutting the sacred cow. Hope you guys are having a dandy summer in this quarantine fuckery. But here we are. Nonetheless, hope you're enjoying a lot of the episodes. You've, I hope you've enjoyed Top Gun lord of the rings face off with anthony Acumia. that's pretty much everyone's right now favorite but a lot of people are also enjoying the once upon a time in hollywood episode i've gotten a few texts about that one but here we are yet again gutting the sacred cow kevin goatee kevin israel but today we are joined by alice vaughn alice welcome to the program tell everyone about you and your podcast
2: Hey guys, uh, so yeah, Alice Vaughn, I am one of the co-hosts of Two Girls One Mike, the Porncast, where we review the holes and the plot holes of your favorite porn.
1: hey i I'm
3: so in awe, I have nothing to say.
2: Someone has to do it.
3: <laughs> I just, I...
1: Plot hole.
3: I've never made it to the plot of porn.
2: Okay, maybe Israel, it's not your favorite por- uh, plot, but it's someone's. <laughs> What's the weirdest
1: plot that you guys have discussed about on your podcast?
2: Great question. So we do a lot of parodies, but sometimes we'll do experimental stuff. So we'll watch stuff that's like a little bit older. And there was this one porn that began with um, a woman in a, oh, it was the opening of Misty Beethoven. It's like one of the porno classics. And you're watching it and the first, three minutes of the film. This has absolutely bear in mind, nothing to do with the rest of the film. She's sitting in a, a, like an old adult movie theater. And then she goes, sits next to this guy who's dressed in full on Napoleon costume. Like when I say big, like captain, uh, you know, of a fucking ship Napoleon hat, uh, he, this guy's like 70 years old wearing a Napoleon costume. And she decides to give him a handy.
1: As one does in a movie theater. I mean, what I'm mean, already are, aroused. What is she gonna, What else right? you going to do besides watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3? I'm just impressed by somebody referring to a porn as a film. <laughs> I thought I was a snob for saying film. <laughs> My favorite porn scenario is, of course, the handyman comes over because one housewife accidentally got a nipple stup, stuck in one of her upside-down U-shaped faucets. And all he does is gr- gently grab her tit and pull it out. And, of course tt boy's reward for helping her out that damsel distress is some good old-fashioned anal in a bathtub
2: you know sometimes it works i mean in the big lebowski triple x uh the tv was broken and after banging it worked again so i mean have you tried it is the better question i'm dying to see
1: how he who pulled her hair her piggy tails up like rabbit ears and got better reception
3: Alice, can you can you quickly explain to us the the recent fetish with uh, stepchild porn?
2: Oh man, uh, so it's all about a resurrection of the classic taboo, where yes. there was stepsest in it, and I feel like we ca- there were a number of porn directors that kind of rediscovered it in the you know two thousands, and the problem is uh, kind of how porn works and algorithms work, which is you. You know, if you consume a lot, that's what they'll provide. It's like going to a supermarket and if they have Captain Crunch, uh, you, you know, that's the only cereal they have. You're gonna buy Captain Crunch and then the, people who are stocking the supermarket shelves are going to say holy fuck we're selling captain crunch we should stock so much more captain more crunch. captain crunch exactly until the only thing you're mostly selling is captain crunch and that's what's happening with steps and i haven't met one porn star yet who says yeah I, I definitely need to do more of that they will be fine if we stopped yesterday doing any more steps
3: I just want to know if Non-related people have sex anymore. Like it's 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 a it's a
1: rarity to find just two people on a date who decide to fuck. When you say non-related, I thought you meant to have sister and sister and brother fucking. Is that what you're into now, Kevin? Is that what you're? Slow I mean, going? that's it's everywhere. Well, it's usually stepbrother and stepsister. Anything to get off us, get us off this Asian kick. I don't understand why is that. You turn on Pornhub and there's 18 Asians, but I've never typed in Asian in my search bar ever. Not my not my wheelhouse. Brazilians, different ball game. We didn't come here to talk about porn, though, goddammit. Although we kind of, sort of, did. Because Alice <laughs> Vaughn decided to take down a film. Kevin, I would say this has got to be along the lines of films people say they like to seem smart. Now, I,
3: I- thought you were just going to say this has got to be long. Because this movie this, was fucking long.
1: This movie, Interstellar, Christopher Nolan, My, I would say my most recent favorite director although his last few his last few editions not cutting it for me so you know
3: I judge how much I'm gonna like a guest by the length of the movie they choose if I if I like put it on and it says 90 minutes I'm like I love this person whoever it is (laughs) fantastic I put this on and I had to I had to do math
0: one hundred. Like, is, is.
3: I was like, this is two yeah. hours. This is no. This is almost three hours of movie.
2: Yeah, so Interstellar you, is hundred twenty minutes of good movies stuffed into hundred seventy minutes.
1: Oh, so Dude, we read the same. We, we both read the same review on Rotten Tomatoes, Alice. <laughs> we did. yeah. I saw that too. <laughs> but that did not make my It was review.
2: great. Yeah. <laughs> Eight
1: point six. Oh, son of a bitch! I just. Oh, you ruined it. I did. You I indeed. It. I don't know why I read that. 8.6 on IMDb. Kevin Israel, Alice Vaughn, why don't you both give me a critics Rotten Tomatoes score? Since I ruined IMDb like a fucking rookie, let's say 88. Alice, Rotten are we tomato. guessing? We are guessing, and I have the answer, of course.
2: Oh, uh, I'm going to say 82. Uh,
1: 72. Oh wow! Thought this would be much more loved by the critics, but the people have it at what score? Allison, yep. Kevin, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick stick with, with my 88, 88 and 82, 85. Split the difference. Wow. A 165 million dollar budget back in 2014 brought home 677 and a half million bucks, which in today's 2020 dollars, a 181.9 million dollar budget, a 744.2 take home million dollars. Locked that Nolan up, name, man. Yeah. Well, it's just, again, it's just dollar signs. He get listen, and I'm guilty. Every time I see a Nolan film, he's gonna automatically get my 15 bucks from here on out. You know yeah. what? He, for me, he's starting to have the M Night Shyamalan
3: effect. Oh,
1: hold, stop it! Hold on.
3: I know. Hold on. I have, no, no, no. I've I've no. been disappointed with his movies as a. No, of that's late.
1: fine. But I, 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 well, here's I detest the comparison because M Night Shyamalan had one good film. Christopher Nolan had five, six. I'd, I'd
3: argue that it was more than one, but I, your your point is valid. But still, yeah. I'm starting to think that I'm just holding on to this memory of what was, and he has not re-
1: he's not repeating it. No, I mean Inception. No, sorry, not Inception. I take that back.
2: Wait a minute. What is the one good M Night Shyamalan film? Stuart Little. Unbreakable. Oh.
1: Unbreakable was a great movie. Yeah, and everything else I think has been shit. But fair enough. That's fine. Next section. Quotes, Kevin Israel. I don't have a quote because I don't never heard anyone want to or ever reference a single line from this film. And the quotes I saw on IMDb were just not that special.
3: There's one quote that I pulled out. This isn't a quotable movie. Let's be honest. Not nobody's been like, "Hey, remember it?" Remember in uh, Interstellar when they nobody's doing that. But there was one quote that I was like, "Ah, oh, that's kind of relevant." It's and the only person that said anything of value in this were the robots, right? And it was uh, absolute honesty isn't always the most diplomatic nor the safest form of communication with emotional beings. And that's exactly what I say to my wife at least once a day.
1: <laughs> so when, she get, when you get all Hal 2.0 on her, I'm sure she appreciates the shit out of that. <laughs> there are a lot of commonalities between this and 2001 and Space Odyssey, which you can check out, of course, with J.L. Kauvin uh, a few episodes back. But, yeah, Alice, any quotes jump out at you for this film?
2: There was one quote in particular. I mean, let's be honest what Interstellar is. I mean, it basically... It's an explosion and dump of just pseudo-profound dialogue. And that's why it's just not quotable. Uh, There was this one quote that actually, when I was watching this in the theaters, Mm -hmm. I bust out laughing, and so did the theater around me, because it was so stupid. It's when Anne Hathaway said, love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. I literally started laughing and everybody in the entire theater busted out laughing because it was so dumb.
1: Right. right. I, I, I did chuckle at that. I go, no, no, no. It's just silly talk from the girl who showed her tits in Love and Other Drugs. Okay, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to um, Devil's Advocate where he goes,
3: love chemically nothing more than eating large quantities of chocolate.
1: Who, uh... Five fun... Facts. Five fun facts. Whoa, five fun facts. 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 And this one, kids, is a sledgehammer to the nuts. Matthew McConaughey admitted that he's, quote, not really into sci fi. Oh. The guy from Texas who plays Bongo while smoking weed with a line of Vegas 9s and 10s around the block isn't in the sci-fi? Shocker. What's next? Are you going to tell me Anne Hathaway got hypothermia while shooting this film? She actually did. Did she really? Yeah, she did.
2: She deserved it.
1: I, like, I think Anne Hathaway, sneaky hot, guys. I'm telling you right now, she's on hmm. my... On not the, with that haircut. Not with that haircut, no. That's the I've given up on life haircut, which I don't appreciate. But other films, she is downright... Uh, attractive, and by the way, I think Matthew McConaughey was still coming off his Dallas Buyers Club skinny because he looked he Gaunt. looked a little a little unhealthy in this one. Well, when you're in the middle of a dust bowl pandemic, not much food going around the table, I would suspect as well. Uh, I still want my tan, Jack Matthew McConaughey. Meow. Number two for the cornfield for a cornfield scene, Christopher Nolan sought to grow 500 acres of corn, which he learned which he learned was feasible. From his producing of Man of Steel, the corn was sold and he actually made a profit.
3: Hmm. So oh good, Michael, I'm glad to know he's squeaking by. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sharecropper, film director. <laughs> guess who was set to direct this film and hired Jonathan Nolan to write the screenplay? But guess what director was hired to write this film, in, uh, sorry, direct this film initially? I know this one, I read it. Oh.
2: I have no idea.
1: Steven Spielberg no. was originally hired. And then Spielberg had to depart, and Jonathan suggested to his brother Christopher to direct it. I think it would have been a better movie with Spielberg. Another guy who you know I love, but boy, his last few or four or five have been absolute Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number four, Dr. Man's World, Matt, uh, Matt Damon, was filmed on the same glacier used in Batman Begins. When the team was scouting the locations, a local tour guide did not recognize him and proudly proclaimed, Christopher Nolan once filmed here. Now, mind your surroundings. Love that name again. On Miller's World, The Water Planet, each tick heard in the soundtrack equals one day back on Earth. There were ticks? I didn't there even notice terrible, the ticks. Yeah, yeah. He I likes saw, doing that. Yeah, he does. He'll, he'll, he likes giving the... Uh, the nods and some nonsense. I, I, when I saw this before, I was doing some research a little bit before I started watching it. Then I kind of did this, and I started paying attention. And go, oh, yeah, that makes a world of difference. Anyway, they I did was, it in Dunkirk. Yeah, they did. That's another reason why too. I, I picked up on that because a lot of the soundtrack cues from Dunkirk. Here's what I do know. Alice Vaughn has come here too. Guts, guts, the, the sacred, sacred cow. cow.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I hate this movie. So I think one of you described it earlier on as this is a movie where if you like it, it's probably because you think you're smart or, you know, you're pretending to be, uh, you know, as someone who studied physics, there were so many plot holes I had that I was shocked when I found that I think that they had someone from Caltech Mm -hmm. who was advising them on this and yet they still got so much fucking wrong. I'm sorry, can I curse on this show? I hope I can.
1: Yep, you sure can.
2: Great. Um, So first off, we're expected to uh, to believe that even though Murph's father, so Murph is Matthew McConaughey's daughter, left Earth in order to save the world, that she's still holding a grudge against him decades later, so much that her entire career is basically nothing but daddy issues. Um, and why is she focusing on the same exact space program that he supposedly died for, you know? Why is she working on in, in the footsteps of a man she seemingly hates? So that's already a huge plot hole. I mean, I feel like this, if anything the entire you know the black holes in this film are just pure plot holes um let's also talk about even the fucking plot it's the most idiotic storyline of the decade um humans are engaged in a war to the death with okra okra like that is the one uh, vegetable we the earth suddenly fell victim to a blight spread of okra um and that's not even how it works i mean blight disease and other factors make crops die they don't cut such a wide swath meaning like um they allow for others to thrive biologically makes no fucking sense so it, it just doesn't support that scenario when you have a strain of disease that wrecks havoc on individual crops even in groups and related regions you know it's uh not just to be adapted to the crop, but to the climate and conditions, you know, it, it's whole part of plant pathology. Uh, you know, if anything, it's, it's even just to give you an idea of how unlikely it is um, for there to be such widespread famine that takes over the entire earth, a single super bug, you know, if it were to spread across a diverse planet, uh, you know, when it comes to specifically plants it wouldn't do well for even the size scale of like a country like Alaska or Peru. It just would not wipe out all the plants like that. Um, so that's an issue. Uh, let's see more plot holes. Uh, by the way, am I just, you know, am I supposed to wait for you guys to come? No, no,
3: no, no, no. I'm just excited oh. that somebody said plant pathology on our podcast. <laughs> and,
1: I, and I'm still debating. I'm still going from the physics to porno. How the hell did you make that leap? Yeah. And uh, But again, I'm a sucker for alliteration. So well done, ma'am. Well done. <laughs>
2: Um, let's see, what other issues do I have? So I mean, if we're going to talk about physics, fuck the inner, the physics of interstellar are almost all ridiculously wrong, you know, with only a handful of exceptions. So for example, there's no such thing as soft or nice black hole and human not- life would never be viable on a planet next to one. The radiation and gravitational stress would destroy any possibility of life. And then on top of that, do you guys know why a black hole is called a black hole?
3: Because it sucks all light into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because does no, matter. Exactly. All, no light escapes its gravitational pull. A planet, quote, surfing, as they're suggesting, on the event horizon of a black hole would be shrouded in eternal darkness. So, for example, when the crew was on... The, another problem is, like for example, when the crew is on the water planet, they're surprised by a huge wave the size of a mountain. Really, they escape by surfing the wave. No, the gravity on that planet was much higher than Earth. So, you would think that they knew what they were doing. No, because a wave that size would suck the crew and the ship way into it before the actual wave struck them. Watch. Any wave on any beach, and you'll see how the water is sucked away from the beach long before the actual wave. The effect is amplified with the size of the waves. There's not really an exception.
1: I really um, hope you break down porn of the way you break down physics. That's what I would – anal scenes, I want to see the X's and O's that John Madden and Pat Summerall used to do on the Telestrator. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Her butt would be prolapsed by now. This is now, impossible. Now what's going to happen? He's going to run a button hook right here to her fucking clip. Then he's going to circle back around the taint and then go hard from behind on the blitz. <laughs> it's funny that you said that about the wave. Cause I,
3: I agreed with you. I, I, yes. what my wife and I watched it last night. I was like, that isn't possible, but it was a really cool scene to watch that wave build up. There was, there wasn't a lot in this movie that I was like, that's really cool, but I thought that was a cool visual and a cool idea that there's just this water world with a giant wave circulating just constantly, the whole hey. planet.
1: this is a movie. If Snake Plissken can surf on whatever the fuck that was, yeah. they can <laughs> escape from L.A., that piece of shit. They sure as fuck can surf in a ship, right? Okay.
2: If uh, you're not sure what I'm talking about, just Google the 2004 tsunami. You could see how the water sucked away from the beach long before the tsunami hit, so that'll help. Um, but another physics flaw that i saw and you know for brevity's sake um you know i'll i'll mention one more thing which is ammonia matthew McConaughey's character lies on an alien planet with ammonia for atmosphere guys do you know we can't breathe ammonia
1: it's poison (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) so the fact that like aside from he would have massive internal Lung damage, for one, uh, he wouldn't be able to, uh, that and with G, uh, like really strong G forces, he would not be able to make crack jokes in the process or just lie there waiting for help. Uh, let's see, what else do we have that's an issue? Well,
1: oh. I, if he did actually, if he did have lung damage, here's how he could help restart himself. He'd go like this.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that scene too.
1: I do too. And we did Wolf of Wall Street on this on this podcast too. Sorry to interrupt with the joke, but no, goddamn cool. it, it was a perfect time to do it.
2: Hey, I, I'm used to interruptions. I, I I allow them all the time. <laughs> um gosh, another thing that bothered me actually from the point of physics is actually if I think about it, why the fuck is Matthew McConaughey's daughter scribbling away physics equations on a big blackboard? Guys, that's not how theoretical physicists work they use computers like anyone else eisenstein and oppenheimer sometimes are shown like in film uh, clips scratching away on a blockboard, but that's for educational purposes their actual work was done in notebooks wait um, i
3: saw goodwill hunter i was just I gonna say that
1: i was waiting for a break i was gonna say matt damon did a fucking chalkboard at MIT. i know
3: how this works ma'am and it's on blackboards and don't rob me of that belief
2: Oh, man. Well, uh, here, here's an, uh, something that will disappoint you, then. Uh, just because you've worked something out, a theoretical problem, you're nowhere near to actually being able to make practical use of it. So, for example, in the film, they find the key, quote, to solving a physics equation using a singularity from a soft black hole. Again, all bullshit. This doesn't mean you can actually implement it in practice. So, for example, the theories of quantum mechanics allow for teleportation. We've known this for a long time. We don't have the technology to enable teleportation.
1: Uh, Nightcrawler from the X-Men sure as fuck does.
3: Just saying. (laughs) I'm just excited that teleportation is possible.
2: You know, we have an equation for it um and then and there's a chance <laughs> <laughs> there may be a chance for that but there are not there are definitely no chances when it comes to the wormhole itself uh, so apparently nasa has been able to find out in this film uh via drones and suicide missions uh that it's that it, that it leads to three different solar systems with three different possible habitable planets okay questions Uh, Number one, how does the crew of the film Spaceship know how to navigate inside the wormhole?
1: You just go. Blind luck and gut feeling, just like Han Solo did when he did the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. (laughs) This is Matthew McConaughey. You just go. Fuck it.
3: Uh,
2: You know, probably because they clearly say that they're going to a certain planet before leaving the wormhole. I just... How do they choose this if the wormhole has one entrance and three exits? You I'm, know?
3: Glad I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I know nothing about physics. But when <laughs> they did their little folding the paper explanation of how a wormhole works, if that's true, then when they went in one side, they should have come right out the other. There would have been no tunnel that they traveled through. It should have been an instantaneous, we're here, we're now there. And yeah. they did that, I think, just for effect and to nod the pile of shit that was 2001. But I won't get into that.
1: Yeah. They could have drawn a straight line like Doc Brown did in the alternate 1985 to explain time travel that way. That would be a lot more palatable.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then on top of that, then, you know, if hypothetically there is only one exit and they have to travel between solar systems on the other side, how'd they do that in a time allotted to them? Because the best case scenario is that the solar systems with the three different Canada planets lie one light year apart from each other super freaking unlikely it would take the crew months to travel from earth to jupiter you know therefore take them decades if not centuries to travel from one system to the next so that's uh another clear issue i have uh let's see michael kane uh you know, of course, as usual, you know, Michael McConaughey, the best pilot he has, you know, that he's trained for his entire life. Uh, he allowed to go off and become a farmer, which is kind of what you do with your best employees, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're in the gifted and talented program in Iowa. You get to be a potato farmer.
3: And hey, to add to that, I know for a fact that anytime you break into a high secure federal, insta- federal facility, that they immediately give you a job. Yeah.
2: Right? And who knew that, you know, dis- only discovering a secret NASA, he only discovered a secret NASA base because he himself in a parallel universe in the future told himself to travel to the NASA base's coordinates, which is just, you know, down the street from his house.
1: Binary, too. Amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, God. And then I guess... Another huge issue I had was also when it came to the Anne Hathaway character at the very end, what they did to her character, which was, you know, at some point they basically said uh, that her character was to operate under an assumption that it was up to her to raise a new human race. And Matthew McConaughey, at the very end of the movie, s- rushes off to help Anne Hathaway, raise uh you know this new human race look guys at some point nasa's best case scenario would have been you know giving four or five people the raising the task of hundreds of space babies alone look the plan's not just unreasonable it's ridiculous and i may no longer be a physicist but i'm a 30 year old woman (laughs) uh i you know, raising one or two ch- children already is uh, kind of a big deal. Uh, how, how do you manage that if you're raising, like, dozens at a time?
3: She had that robot guy. Yeah. The square. The worst-looking robot
1: ever designed. The guy who makes Johnny Five look like Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was pathetic.
2: Yeah, there, there, this is not possible. I'm sorry.
1: There's time to kill on that ship for, as Alice said, months as traveling. You don't think McConaughey said, well, might as well start fucking, right? <laughs> just to pass the time and, you know, as we said, repopulate the human race, but
0: you know. But
2: even then, so it's just a fact that, you know, what is she going to do when she has, uh, like, two two-year-olds and she's raising the next batch of kids and you know, it, you there's no education system in place. Like, they're kind of being set up with nothing when uh when they're raising these kids like there's no society to help them with kids we already see people breaking down with homeschooling and covid and they have resources they have the internet these people have nothing
3: if i got to raise the next society of humans do you know all the batshit crazy stuff i would tell them and i'd be like yep no i'm i'm god that's correct i am god and uh and I have I would just make up so much weird random shit. That that Matthew McConaughey's plane would land and they'd be he'd be like, Why are all these people singing? Oh, they only speak
1: through singing. No, oh, that's all I let them do. They just sing.
2: That's well, my thing. Maybe how ma- this-
1: ma- maybe they could have Matthew McConaughey find himself a, a an au an on Saturn and do like an upper west side <laughs> stroller mom pushing thing and raise the kids that way, right?
2: You know, maybe he can contact the, you know, omnipresent humans, uh, you know, that he apparently ends up fathering. Uh, so, which, okay, let's talk about the, uh, this chicken and the egg scenario, which is apparently how humanity gets to the future in the first place. Because we need to talk about how this film resolves itself, which is in the worst possible way. So, If omnipotent humans need Matthew McConaughey to communicate the secret of love to his daughter through a library, Moore's code system in order to save humanity, how did that future race, ostensibly founded by McConaughey, come to exist to begin with? Are they communicating from a future that wouldn't exist without the very actions of which they're currently intervening? It's the
3: internal loop.
2: Right? It... (laughs) makes no sense. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they could use these all seeing feature humans to travel back in time to help fix this movie instead. Because I hated it. I don't understand people's appeal to it. I think anybody who likes this is just, you're telling me that then you also laugh at the Big Bang Theory. You find that
1: funny. <laughs> well, that's a bazinga argument right there. Never watch that show. Only bits Penny, of- Penny, 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 I mean, Penny. Yeah. You ever watch that
3: show, Kevin. I've never had it. I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple episodes. I w- I watched it like long before people hated it so much, and I just didn't like it. And then people started to hate it and really analyze it. And I went back and I was like, Yeah, they're right. There are no jokes. Kind of like say something, uh, and then there's just a canned
1: laughter, and everybody goes, Ah, it's hysterical. Just like Friends. I've never watched a full episode, but goddamn, that show's written for dumb people. No, and it's not nineties nostalgia to me, though. I don't give a fuck. It's not funny. How about that? That's nineties nostalgia for you. <laughs>
2: Thank you. <laughs>
1: Do you want to go with your notes first, Kevin, or shall I? You two, I'll let you finish. Uh, you went first last time. I'll go first this time. Please do.
3: Um, all right. First of all, well said, Alice. I Very was well not said. prepared for an actual scientific analysis of this movie, but I'm goddamn glad you did it because <laughs> I had similar thoughts. I'm just not educated enough to, uh, <laughs> to say it in, in proper English. Um, I saw this movie once in the theater when I, back in 2014 when it came out. And I remember thinking, cause it's such a massive movie and there's a, 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 you ju- I just walked out of it and I went, I guess I, that was impressive, I guess. I don't, I didn't, I never thought about it again. It's a movie I literally saw it, walked out, threw it from my mom. Um, so much that I didn't remember that it was a three hour movie. Fuck you very much. Um, so this movie had a ton of potential. I thought it had a really cool concept about the Earth dying and having to trans... I mean, not that this is a new concept, you know, uh, Lost in Space covered it many, many years ago, but the, uh, the concept of uh, of the planet dying, we're trying to get the whole human race off. But there was just, first of all, at the outset, they set up all these interesting little tidbits about society now that they never went back to. Like, apparently... The government, I guess it's like a socialist government now where the world is run through socialism and nobody believes in the Apollo landing. Like that was just a little tidbit they threw out. And I was like, oh, well, this is going to come back because they had an entire conversation about how nobody believed in the Apollo landing and they never brought it up again. They never talked about it. There was no reason to even mention that people didn't believe in the Apollo landing. I don't know what the point was. But then they also, another very quick throwaway line that I thought was going to be significant, they didn't have MRIs anymore. Apparently medicine wasn't, people just didn't have access to medicine or something. And they mentioned that and it never came back. But, so they really wanted to set up this society and this new future, but they never gave us anything more than, yeah, you know, we can't give his, put his kid in college and we can't, you know, this and that. And, and then they just walked away from it and said, all right, now the rest is going to be in space and don't worry about her. So that, that, that always bothers me when there's obviously these little, they're trying to tell you a story, and they never expand on that story. But that wasn't the story we wanted to hear anyway. We wanted to hear the story about space. Um, and then the whole thing, and I agree with you, the whole thing with the love issue, I don't know. I, I feel like that was thrown on in the, in the last writing of the, like the last rewrite of the script. They're like, you know what? We need something that the chicks are going to dig. What do chicks like? Love! Throw in love. That's what we're going to do. And, and it's, it was just so, it felt so pandering. Like, yeah, oh yeah, love. Like, I, I I, bet you non-carbon-based life forms out there probably don't even have love. They probably just fuck, recreate, and move on. Like, it, that was just so dumb. I had enough trouble wrapping my mind around what they were trying to connect with gravity. Like, if this, is, this is a movie where if you don't know physics you're gonna have a you're gonna have a tough time wrapping your head around it and so when they started talking about gravity and time and space and all that i i watched um i watched two different science dissertations today to try to understand this movie are you binging
1: was, nova because i was like you know
3: what i need to understand this i need to and i wasn't they weren't long they were just like eight minute little pieces but th- then to throw in the whole love thing i felt i felt like that should have disqualified this movie from being great because it was just such a weak plot point that it just, it, I would have, I would I don't remember laughing but I had I been thinking about it I should
1: have screamed at the at the at the screen. The a real, real pandemic would have been if McConaughey would have taken his shirt off and showed his abs for the ladies in the audience. I, I would have like been, like all, been all right with it. I would have been all right. I would have been like, all right, he's got good abs. And then and then the robot would have went meow. Yeah. That would have
3: been a fucking moment. <laughs> Thank you for that transition, Mr. Goatzee. The robot. <laughs> You're welcome. The fucking robot. Yes. We have robots in development today. There is not a single robot that looks like that. There is nothing that's even leading us towards a robot that looks like that. Robots will either be humanoid or look like
1: dogs. That That's the robot, two main robots we have working right now. That robot looked like a Chinatown knockoff of a Transformers toy without the licensing agreement. You know what it looked
3: like, actually. And I and I and I know that he uh, they 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 acknowledge because in the Wikipedia page when I was reading about the, the filming of it, acknowledged that he was he was inspired by 2001. The robots Surprise. looked like the Monolith. Yeah, from I know. 2001. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but why they couldn't just make a cool-looking robot man... Like, just give us something to like in this movie. Something like... The robot at least had, like, cool dialogue and was kind of funny, but it had to look like a fucking Rubik's Cube? Like, what? That was ridiculous. Um,
2: look, the Chinese are only so efficient. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're better at manufacturing diseases for worldwide plagues. Uh, and, and, and speaking
2: of
3: right.
1: 2001... There
3: were three movies that I associated this movie with. Uh-huh. Contact, which it turns out one of the producers had some connection to Contact. Uh, Arrival, mm-hmm. which I liked. Um, Is that and, Andy Adams'
1: Arrival? Yeah.
3: I hated that. And <laughs> 2001. Wow. Contact. Contact. I remember walking out of Contact being like, wow, that was like I just watched a whole movie for basically them telling me that maybe nothing happened. And that pissed me off. Arrival, I thought, Arrival, I thought was, was cool. Um, but it was also a very long, drawn out movie that went very, a very small place. And 2001 is my most hated movie now, thanks to this podcast. Uh, but when I read the, how, what the book was about, I liked the story more and I got it and I could see where this movie came from. But all of these stories, I don't know why they think science, science fiction has to be so boring and so drawn out. This movie was so unnecessarily long. And I'll give you one example of how long this movie was. There was the scene where she's recorded, where Murph is recording the message to Anne Hathaway about her father dying. And then she says, and you knew, didn't you? You knew that you were killing us all. They show her recording that and she records her entire speech. And then when you get it to the ship, you have to watch that entire speech all over again. Right. Why did you do that? Show her start to record and then you get to watch it from Anne Hathaway's point of view. He had to show it both times. That's how long this movie was. It was just unnecessary exposition over and over again. That, by the way, was over most of the audience's heads. So that, to, to me, that was just, just terribly, terrible pacing. Um, yeah. Oh, and my last point, and this drove me crazy. When he gets into the Tesseract, whatever that was, and it happens to look like the library, his library, and... He figures out, this is actually gonna be two points. One, he suddenly goes, Wait a minute, they're not aliens, they're us. Where did that come from? Where did that epiphany suddenly come from? He had nothing, there was no new information that was given to him to realize that, other than him just being like that, whoa, server, where he's like, Whoa, I figured it out. It's us. <laughs> I, know, I know kung fu. <laughs> I know kung fu. It's, it was, that was just blue, like, and I remember thinking it in the theater, too, because when I watched it again, I was like, wait a minute, I, rem- I wondered that because I felt like I missed something, like I missed some piece of information where it was like, oh, right. But there was that no, oh, right moment. Matthew McConaughey is just apparently Sherlock Holmes and he figured it out.
2: This entire movie, it felt like Christopher Nolan was trying to say, oh, look how smart we are. Yes. And then, but progressively making the plot worse.
3: Right, right. And, and, and Christopher Nolan's been doing that with movies recently. He's been trying to say, I'm going to make this so complicated, you'll feel like a dumbass when you leave. Oh. My oh. last point. They were trying to get data from the black hole, whatever data that was. They never explained it. They never explained why when they went to the black hole there was going to be information there that could solve this problem on Earth, but they needed data. I would imagine it would have been a massive amount of data, terabytes and terabytes of data. And he is able to put all of that data, all of that information into Morse code, into the second hand of a watch. How fucking possible is that? It wasn't even, and they didn't even like, he could have been like, this is going to be a long read for her. Something like, was it, was it just three numbers that she needed? Cause if not, she must've sat with that watch for around seven months going, I don't think we're (laughs) at the end of this yet. That was, that was the dumbest, absolutely dumbest in the fucking watch. That alone is why I hated this movie so much. Because they couldn't even give like a decent explanation of how they got this information, this unquantifiable information. The whole movie, you're right, Alice. You're 100% right. This whole movie was one giant black hole plot hole after another. There nothing brought it together. (laughs) I feel like Matt Damon wasn't billed in this movie because he saw it and was like, you know what? I don't need my name attached to this. Uh, so yeah, I, I hated this movie. And unfortunately, Alice, I hate you for making me rewatch this movie.
0: One
1: through, one through ten, give me a number. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Nolan junkie, as you know. But as I said, his last few didn't specify how many have been lackluster. But I'll start at the beginning, as I always do. The first thing I notice, you know, if I ever wake up from dying, and I'm actually, I don't believe in it, but if I am reincarnated, and if I'm reincarnated as a far, as a farmer, the first thing I do is go, wake up and go, Yeah, hey, this sucks and move the fuck out of farming. Cause that's boring. I love, loved the hillbilly textbooks of the fake moon landing. How I let la- you left at Anne Hathaway. I left at them shaming him for a fake moon landing in a textbook and him going, fuck you. I'm actually a progressive guy who thinks with technology and science. Every time I see John Lithgow, I revert to him shooting at Sylvester Stallone on the top of a mountain. I don't know about you folks, but that's how I think of John Lithgow. Wow. Cliffhanger. Flip- yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> I love how Matthew McConaughey looks at piles of dust and says, oh, binary coordinates. That's the answer. Why? Can't- they really
3: did make him out to be like a
1: genius, and he
3: didn't even try to act like yeah. a genius.
1: Let's look at an anthill and go, there's a cure for COVID. <laughs> Anne Hathaway can chop off most of her hair, but she's still in my top ten. I don't give a shit what you fuckers say. I still no. think she's the bee's knees. Minute 31, I just said to no one in particular, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Minute 45, I don't give a fuck. Okay. I a long rather- way to go. I know. I'd rather watch all of McConaughey's Lincoln commercials on a loop, as well as Ghost of Girlfriend's Past and Failure to Launch, than this film. I liked Failure to Launch. Shame on you. By the way, you just failed the uh, straight white male test. Never claimed. <laughs> Gong. When Murph grows up, she'll have a superhero origin story. Mom died of cancer. Dad flew off to Saturn. What better origin story in a superhero universe is that? This. Is, so, how did Nolan pitch this film? Hey. Let's remake 2001, A Space Odyssey, with better-looking people and no apes. That apes thing was bullshit. And, oh, yeah, let's get a black guy in here for better optics on this film, right? Yeah, you texted me last night something about no black guys. Rom was black. Well, I didn't get to that point by the time I texted you. I forgot about that part. I don't know about you two, but I sure as fuck rooted for them to come out of that wormhole facing the Imperial Star Destroyers or an all-Klingon armada (laughs) and then get blasted into smithereens. This film had the excitement and pacing of watching your Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving turkey cook in the oven. I felt like I had to be a fly on the wall at NASA to appreciate this film. And I'm a relatively smart guy. I don't know shit about physics. I will say that. I felt fucking dumb. You know how dumb I felt? I read the Wikipedia page and still didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> i said jesus christ kevin okay you should have watched the two
3: physics dissertations i should have watched nova
1: back to back to back back.
2: i mean there were only three things with physics that got right in the film there's no sound in space space is a vacuum and sound waves can't travel that's it
3: you know what kev i'm sorry i hate to interrupt you there's one more point the slingshot doohickey that they were going to perform yeah they did that first been done what's that did Armageddon. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that. Armageddon. He even, and, and I think it was Steve Buscemi goes, yeah, I saw this. It's when the coyote straps the rocket to his back. doesn't end up too well for him. And Actually, the guy's like, oh, we have much better rockets.
1: I'm going to correct you. The firm this was really first done in, and in real life, was Apollo 13.
3: Oh, no, right.
1: stick that's your head fair. in doo-doo. That's These characters have the charisma of a water park employee. Go. 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 Even, I already said that one. Enough of the don't go into that gentle night fucking analogy. You know who did that one best? Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, 1986. Look it up. Fuels, this was just made for NASP. I already said that one. And now we're trapped behind a bookcase. Oh, it comes so full circle. I love Nolan. I saw this in the theater. In fact, I'll tell you the origin why I saw it. I got mad because at my old job, they reassigned me to a district I did not want to go to. And I said, I'm done for the day at 1045 in the morning. And I went to go see this. And I go, you know what? I wish I was still working. This job, this movie was not that good. <laughs> and I just kind of men and neuralized it, and forgot about it. But people still defended this film. And I said, eh, didn't grab me. After rewatching this. And Kevin's right. Fuck you, Alice. This film is not good at all. Two out of ten. I don't care what you say. Everyone who says they like it, you might as well put them in the same category as? 2001. 2001. All these films that you want to seem smart at and you want to seem worldly and you want to, you know, Turn your nose up at people who go, I like reading fiction once in a while, or I work at a fucking Barnes and Noble. No, I'm not buying that. You're not a real person. You're the last person I want to associate with. No one ever likes this film and is honest about it, unless you're trying to get in someone's pants. That's the fucking truth.
2: And if you're trying to get in someone's pants, chances are they're not a physicist.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If you're trying to get in someone's pants that bad, who loves this movie?
1: Yeah, her her wormhole or his wormhole must be a real delight.
3: Okay, Alice, no porn spoofs to this one, huh?
2: Uh, thankfully, no. Matthew. How about Inter Snatch?
1: <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm just the funny guy, guys. All right. That being said, Alice, give me a score one to ten. What you thought of Interstellar?
2: Uh, I mean, I would say half a point. Can I do that? Ooh, you can. Well, you can do whatever you,
1: can. you want. Half a point is good. And of course, this abysmally fails the remote test. Alice, the, uh, the remote test is if you're flipping around on cable and this pops up and you go, holy shit, I love this part or I love this film. And you drop the remote and go, I know what I'm doing for the next hour and 45. This nope. film is a, an allergic reaction to the remote test. It's ha ah, ah, ha, ah. <laughs> trying to change that channel as fast as possible. There's not one moment I would ever go back and go, I want to see that again. The only saving grace I can give this is Hans Zimmer's score. I love Hans Zimmer. I think he's great. But I don't have any of that his music from this film on my phone. So I guess I'm a hypocrite after all.
2: I'm going to say that Zimmer's background music was so loud you're actually often Very unable loud. to hear the actual dialogue
1: well wait till we get to those Amazon one star reviews Alice because your point is about to be doubled but before we get to that it is time for the critics five star reviews critics five star reviews critics five star reviews critics five star reviews. reviews as spectacular as, as spectacular as it is flawed true it's as grand and as introspective and as grounded as it is existential by the end of the nearly three hour running time it goes by in a flash you feel as if you've experienced something that is so rarely captured on film signed every housewife sounds like he's talking about a case of diarrhea yeah
2: that could also be depression anxiety a lot (laughs) of things housewives experience yeah
1: The old saying, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land among the stars, has never rung quite as true as it does here. Oh, fuck you. Well, we're gonna well, it only gets better. <laughs> Naturally, no one's desire to unite high and low culture. Ha ha, you're trying to seem smart, douche nozzle, doesn't always pay off. Yet even when he gets pretentious, I don't hate him for it. Better a filmmaker who fails while overreaching than one who has a hit with Transformers. <laughs> Fuck you, Transformers. One is great. The other ones are shit. And here's something... And, oh, and now I'm prefacing this one. And here's someone trying to say something, but saying absolutely nothing. The planets and the new galaxies are creative, are creatively different, yet familiar. Beautiful and ugly. Habitable, but not habitable. They have their own histories and realities and have no interest in being colonized by the U.S. of A. What Uh, did that person say? uh, He said that he hasn't seen a naked woman in 15 years. I think it was a woman who wrote that one, to be honest with you, if I recall. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Interstellar is a grand undertaking, but in shooting for the stars, it loses loses its footing. It goes to infinity and beyond, where infinity would have been plenty. It's a film I didn't exactly enjoy and can't say I would recommend. And yet, as an event, as a singular movie-watching opportunity, it's undoubtedly worthwhile. There are many words to describe Interstellar. Entertainment isn't one of them. Perhaps it would have been wiser to trim back on several of the ideas and present a more cohesive, not to mention coherent story. I can't remember an I can't remember an apocalyptic film that's taken less interest in its planet as it's destroyed. Not much chat on that one. All right.
2: Yeah, pretty oh. much.
1: Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. on five star reviews this is my favorite movie of all time by far what i i am an ap physics teacher engineer and former nasa employee
2: i mean the standards are low in the u.s so fair this movie captured all the wonder and majesty of
1: interstellar travel but even better this movie is scientifically accurate Parentheses. As far as we have knowledge, it began not with the Nolans, but with Kip, but with Kip Thorne, the Caltech astrophysicist and contemporary of Stephen Hawking, and a Hollywood producer friend of his. Kip wanted to make a movie that was scientifically accurate and inspired people to look into science. When the Nolans took over as writers and directors, Kip's one rule was that the movie couldn't break the laws of physics. That right there should tell you what the, this movie is special and deep. And Kevin's one rule is. There is no Interstellar. This film fucking sucks. All right. Alice, did you lie to us?
3: Does this man know more?
2: No, here's the thing. Kip, I'm very familiar that, you know, he does consult on films and he was uh, consulting on this specific film. I am not lying. It is definitely not accurate in a lot of ways. I mean, there are segments I named three ways where the physics is right and every other way where it's horrible. So I'd love to pick at his mind of, how he came to this decision with the writers of yeah go with that that's sure that's right ready
1: here's your answer hey kip here's a check for eight hundred thousand dollars to appreciate this screenplay what do you think ah it's wrong okay kip here's a check for two million dollars sign off
2: sure
3: yeah that's what i said he's just counting his money going
1: yeah Yeah, (laughs) good good enough these dumb dumbs know what the fuck is up
2: Exactly, I, Kip gave him enough to make him seem smart. Again, Big Bang level consulting. A
1: must see for any space geek. Still my favorite. This movie was free for a long time on Prime, so I watched about. So I watched it about twenty times. Twenty oh. times. Why? Why? Why you spent sixty hours of your life with this? Crap! I usually don't watch a movie more than once unless it's exceptional. After I was unable to view it for free, I liked it so much, I purchased it. The first movie I purchased in maybe a decade. Signed, do you know anyone that has a job I can show up for work at noon?
3: This is the same guy who says he's jerked off 26 times
1: in one day. By noon. <laughs> I am not a super sci-fi fan, but this movie is so good that I watched it twice within two days. I watched it on my PC the first time, and what a difference when I watched it the second time on my 4K UHD TV, written by someone who uses exclusively size 4 font. And he left something out. He meant to say, when I watched it on my mom's 4K TV suspense you want suspense i got your suspense right here this is a fine movie with an out of this world cast waka 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 mcconaughey hathaway and damon a sprinkling of Kane and lithgow and garnished with chastain and Burston. not everyone is a sci-fi fan understandable considering the plethora of odd creatures slash beings slash things and plot lines exclusive of plots Fur- further, every sci fi endeavor encompasses the mandatory and in- impossible task, but Interstellar provides a real and believable reason. There is the actual survival of the world at stake, and you feel it. About halfway, you realize your eyes are on fire because the plot is so riveting that you forget to blink. You care for these characters, experience their fears, and celebrate the wins. Not your basic sci fi. Not even.
2: Oh, God. Jesus, I don't know where to go with this. It just, I, mm, you know, I, I guess this in considering how many people quote liked this film, I mean, are we really that surprised that, you know, people aren't believing scientists when it comes to like stuff with COVID? No, just, I find that, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll say yes. Uh, people from the future can communicate with us via Morse code and books and that is scientifically accurate but wearing a fucking mask isn't these are the same people I'm pretty sure it's the same group let's I go I
1: forgot the that. byline written by Dr. Fauci just kidding <laughs> <laughs> Amazon one star re- Amazon one star reviews it's time for Amazon one star reviews one star, one star reviews review. and i'm going to start this off with a warning called warning hero blow hard alert written oh, by clay h this is a long one so bear with oh, me oh man in because and, and by the title of his review is he titled it he did because i love my children i'm deleting this movie <laughs> In the end scene, we see a space station populated by white people happily farming and playing baseball with not one person of color represented. That there is not a single person of color present implies that only people who are white made it onto the space station and everyone else was left behind on a doomed planet, thus the unspoken genocide. I realize some people might say I'm being too sensitive because they see no problem, telling me after all, it's just a movie and you don't have to make everything about race. With those people... I'd have a discussion about how movies are that are meant to spark scientific curio- curiosity and inspire an adventurous spirit, yet only portray success for white people. Leave those who are not white with a sense of being left out. People pick up on these subtle messages, even if only on a subconscious level, as if the movie is saying, see this future, see the people in it, it's not for you. That is the horrible power of these messages. These messages are subtle and shout louder than words could ever could. These messages are felt by children in places because parents – So sorry – these messages are felt by children in places parents can't reach. I'm deleting this movie from my purchase videos because I can do better than showing my children these kind of messages. Wait, shh. Do you guys hear that? That's five million black people laughing at this fucking guy.
2: I want to know how did he get that as the message out of the film of, oh, wait, a couple white people survived. We're going to gloss over every other issue with this film. This is the most pertinent thing we need to discuss. The, the possible genocide that's never discussed or brought up or has nothing to do with this film. How about
1: we forgot that one of the scientists was black?
3: People oh, yeah. with an agenda will always find a way to work their agenda in.
1: My next line, amazing how we skate over major details when we're forcing narratives down people's throats. And by the way, this review had 50 comments for the review, and I did go down that wormhole. I didn't watch Nova. Oh. I read the wormhole comments. And people- <laughs> Shut up, pussy. <laughs> Besides Warren Beatty's Reds copycat monologues, what makes this production more unbearable and non-convincing is the obvious lack of scientific clarity to enhance the authenticity of the character development. Thus, this lack of scientific coherence in the plot fails actors in delivering and articulating the theories that they speak and refer. With the exception of the wormhole, one of these one one gets a sense that these so-called scientists in this picture really don't know what they are talking about, except for the wormhole explanation. Other than that. It's just worth watching once and don't bother with the details while watching it on a rainy day. The great soundtrack is too good for this picture. No. Junior, Junior County College English majors shining brightly here, kids. And now for some dum dums. I wanted Inner Space, but rented this by accident and didn't bother watching it. Didn't care for Nolan's movies. <laughs> First of all, I love that somebody's still renting
3: inner space.
1: <laughs> Martin, Martin uh, Short injected in some guy's asshole flying around. Uh, or sorry, you Dennis Wade injected in the Martin's asshole. It might have been a more enjoyable movie than this. What do you mean, might have? It was. Warning do not accept this mission without utilizing the closed captioning feature and loads of inconceivable science Forge. From Somebody's Nightmares. Oh, and you can't miss that really loud church organ music that drowns out most of the dialogue. At the end, McConaughey flies off in what appears to be a stealth version of Luke Skywalker's X-Wing Starfighter with his version of R2-D2 strapped inside. As the credits rolled, we felt as if we'd been sucked inside that same black hole and lost decades of our life. Written by Phantom Menace is Dry Anal Rape 1.
2: Speaking of the music, did you guys notice that n- not only did the music score never let up for those three hours, it was actually out of sync a lot of the time with the actual plot events.
1: I didn't catch that. Yeah. There we- was there was a
3: point where something the music sounded overly dramatic and it wasn't anything overly dramatic happening. And I yes. remember I remember thinking they're just gonna keep playing this music like it's just never gonna
1: No lull. I missed that because was- I missed that because I was probably reading one of my books at the same time while watching this film, to be honest with you. <laughs> I do. This last I'm sorry, I have a couple more, but the headline the title of this review, About as good as finding a press-on nail in your clam chowder. So we've got ourselves an open micer on us, Kevin. Unfortunately, as I watched a few things stood out. A horrible plot that was thinly veiled criticism of people rooting the planet. How? It's a dust storm. How are they ruining the planet? Jesus Christ. As we screw everything up, I found that that it was odd that the slam against people for ruining the planet at the same time. Other people insisted kids be funneled into certain career tracks. That's communism 101. I further found Anne Hathaway vapid. Trying to speak intelligently on mathematics was amusing and rang hollow. By the end of the movie, my initial impression of her spun the dial all the way up to red, into the red zone, Can't stand her. She's about as useful as as sand in cake batter. I've never heard that saying before. I've never either. She's trying to push her own, you know, colloquialisms into our our vernacular. No, but you're not making that a thing. No, it's not. It's not passing the sniff test. And last, of course, am I always my favorite one? Bizarre plot and ending. Hard to follow at times. Cool Cool special effects. Longview High is where McConaughey went to high school, but in Texas. Someone's probably from Longview, Texas, trying to get a shadow. out. Like, Hookem Horns. Jesus Christ, Kevin Israel. Did Alice Vaughn gut the sacred cow? Yes. I'd like a little more than that, please. I have to. I have to show my work. Yes, this is long division <laughs> with remainders.
3: First of all, yes, she got the sacred cow. Uh, this was a, this was a cow that was ripe for gutting. But Alice, first of all, kudos to you for bringing an actual scientific insight into this. I did not expect that from someone with a podcast named Two Girls, One Mike. Yes, I am a small minded asshole. Um, but fucking awesome arguments, great points, all spot on. This movie blew. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i too was surprised by the scientific background unknowingly of course when as you had just said you see a girl doing a podcast about porn i go well what's the fucking tie-in with interstellar is she just an anti-nolan i don't i don't get it i i'm dying to hear her rationale maybe she went and just hate this film but goddamn that was sure very well prepared and very well done i shall co-sign On this gutting, I will say after watching, this is like dunking on a midget. It didn't take much, but it still had to be done. And you did it with flair. Oh, she, she fucking Michael Jordan, eighty-five All-Star Game slam dunk won that shit over this midget. It was even close. Again, it's that Nolan. The Emperor is not wearing clothes. The Nolan Inception. No, this no dunkirk no and we said we said before tenant whenever that comes out i'm not optimistic about this not
3: at all it's gonna be a mess it's gonna be confusing there's gonna be no character development but i'm still gonna see it in the i am too he's gonna get my
1: 15 dollars to see this (laughs) i'm hoping (laughs) then again i'll probably walk out and go didn't like it and then people go well i liked it why'd you like it oh okay you just want to see because bullets went backwards into his gun. That's kind of cool. Ugh, have fun at UCB. Kevin Israel, where can we find you? Uh, I, I have some comedy trickling
3: in. A couple of live outdoor space shows, socially distanced and whatnot. Just did one. It actually went really well. Uh, so check my calendar on my website, KevinIsrael.com. And if you're still scared of the coronavirus, which you should be, uh, you can get my album safely from the comfort of your own home the struggle is real on itunes and everywhere else you get uh, audio shit
1: alice vaughn tell us yet again where we can find you
2: guys uh so you could find me on my own show wherever you listen to podcasts including this one uh two girls one mike the Porncast. where the one with the white background microphone and a pink bra where you can hear myself uh and my co-host, Yvette Dontremont, also known A.K. as babe where we take, uh, where we are two women who come from science backgrounds, but we review the, uh, the the plot in porn and we talk to people within the adult industry as well as adult adjacents. So we have comedians reviewing porn with us, but then we also have people like Nina Hartley and Lisa Ann and therapists and sex researchers joining us and debunking all that you know, is within the adult industry and even how it relates to everyday life. So uh, girls one com is also where you can find all of us. Uh, and, oh, you could find me individually on Twitter at Rational Blonde.
3: I've never wanted to be on a podcast before, but I want to be on your podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: this sounds fun. If I could talk about juice
2: velocity squirting out
1: of Lisa Ann's area, that would be just the bee's knees. Two podcasts, and you got that word in twice. Na- I did. Oh, that's right, Nayland Palin. I've seen it.
2: We reviewed that one with Tom Arnold.
1: Tom that's Arnold. Yeah.
3: <laughs> how'd,
2: you, how'd you get him?
1: Wait, wait, wait. Was he not filling down Periscope Part Two?
2: <laughs> uh, he, that's friend awesome. Of, friend of the show. Uh, you know, uh, he actually loves my co-hosts' writing, and they're both Red Sox fans. So gross. You know, I'm not going to judge. I'm not into sports. so I wouldn't know.
1: I was going to say I'm a Yankee fan, so they can go fuck themselves. Uh, but you can find Kevin Goatee in all my dates. KevinGoatee.com. But more importantly, go to Gutting the Sacred Cow every single day. Guttingthesacredcow.com. Why? Every day we're putting out articles. We're doing our list of 10. We're doing our favorite movie quotes. We're doing sequels that we think should be made or, films that we, or sequels that we did not think should be made. Movie news, movies we've recently seen and other things like that, guttingthesacredcow.com. And if you have not, for the love of Christ, write us a goddamn five-star rating and a two-sentence review. That's all we need. We've got a few more in this week. YouTube as well. Check us out there. But that's it. Alice Vaughn, fantastic job today on Gutting the Sacred Cow. We applaud you and your effort. It has been well done and documented.
0: And that's it, guys.
1: Yeah, very well done. We will see you next time, gang. Thanks a lot. Take care. See you later.